Open up your Bibles with me to Mark chapter 1, verses 16 through 18. Let's get going. And as he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then Jesus said to them, follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. And they immediately left their nets and followed him. Father, in Jesus' name, I ask you, Holy Spirit, anoint me to preach your word. Allow me to deliver your truth, God. I am nothing. I cannot do this without you. Empowerment, Holy Spirit, come upon me now and help me to speak the word that you've asked me to speak and that it changes lives tonight. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Amen. Well, this is not a passage that any of us, for the most part, are unfamiliar with, right? This is when Jesus goes and he calls his first disciples forth to follow him. He's just been baptized and tested in the wilderness. Now he comes back to begin his ministry. And how many people know that when Jesus does something, or even any time in the Bible, when we see something happen for the first time, it's kind of like the law of, of firsts, if you will, where it's sort of a establishes a pattern for things to come, right? And what we see here is that Jesus, he, he asks Simon and Andrew to follow him. He says, come and follow me. Now, everybody knows that when we follow Jesus, we're giving our lives to Christ, right? By the Bible's definition, we're saved, we're born again when we surrender our lives to him. And following Jesus means that we're a disciple. So they're becoming the first disciples right here, uh, Simon and Andrew are. But he says something else right along with the whole follow me part of his command, right? He says... You will become fishers of men. Now, this is incredibly important because there's two things that Jesus is saying here. One, he's calling them to become his disciples, to follow him and to live their life for him. But he's also saying that along with that calling, along with that summoning to lay your life down and follow me, is also coming the calling to win lost souls. And I love this because, see, so often, I think that, and I know I would say I'll be guilty of that at times, too, where we see that following Jesus means a life of blessing. It means a life of authority. We get all that awesome stuff because we choose to give our life to Christ, and His Spirit comes to live on the inside of us. But see, the thing that sometimes we miss or that we don't catch is that that also means that we are committing to a life of mission to be able to go out and win lost souls in the name of Christ, right? See, God's spirit is on the inside of us. The Bible says that, that we become partakers of the divine nature. So if God's nature is on the inside of us, how many know God's love, God's peace, he's powerful? But God is also very interested and concerned with lost souls. I mean, he sent his son to die for that reason, so that the lost could know him. So if we've got God's nature on the inside of us, we're partakers of that, then that means we carry that same spiritual DNA, are you with me, to win lost people. 
And, and sometimes people miss this. They say, well, you know, we got, we, there's different members. They play different roles and different functions in the body. And that's all true. The thing is, though, that doesn't mean that anyone that calls upon Jesus as Lord is exempt from the mission of winning lost people. That applies to us all the same as blessing does, the same as peace and joy and love and authority does. Right? So... How many people have watched the show or heard of the show Mythbusters? Mythbusters, right? Quite a few people have. That's the show, kind of, the, they do some crazy things where, like, they'll find a myth or something that's supposed to be true, and then they'll put it to the test. You know, like, hey, you can't drink a gallon of milk in 30 minutes or your stomach's going to explode kind of thing. Or if you go out and run five miles and then hang upside down, for more than 15 minutes, your head's going to pop or whatever. I mean, I don't advise trying that one, okay? But they put these things to the test. Now, I want to debunk right now, tonight, one of the greatest myths in all of the church. Are you ready? You say, I'm ready. All right. The great, one of the greatest myths in, I think, all of Christianity is that a person who wins lost souls looks like this or is a pastor or an evangelist those are the people in the church who win lost souls one of the greatest myths in all the church because if you think about it if that's the case then that would mean probably less than one percent of all the church who are made up of maybe the pastors and the evangelists in the ministry then less than one percent of the overall church is out there winning the lost how many know that's not a formula for the fulfillment of the Great Commission, right? So this is one of the greatest myths in all of the church. In fact, many have won multitudes to Christ over the years who carried very unsuspecting positions in society or in jobs or in vocations or whatever the case may be. Probably, if we really tested that out, it would be more than there are actually in the ministry, per se, full-time, right? So we're going to debunk this myth. I hope this works. If you call upon Jesus as Lord, do me a favor, just bear with me. Go ahead and stand up right now for just a minute. Stand up if you say Jesus is your Lord. He's the king. Okay. Now, I want you to sit down if you made the decision to accept Christ as your Savior at a Billy Graham revival or listening to some great evangelist. Go ahead and sit down if that's where you came to know the Lord. I don't see anybody sit down. Okay. Sit down if... You decided to follow Christ, and there'll be some here, if you made that decision at a church service where a pastor or an evangelist was preaching and delivering the word, but only if you were not invited by some person, friend, family member, somebody you know to come and hear the word that day, you just decided on your, your own to go, and then you heard a pastor or an evangelist preach the word, and then you became saved. Go ahead and sit down if that was your situation. Now, look around. That's like 95% of the room. What does that tell you right there? You can go ahead and sit down, everybody. What that tells me is that the vast majority of people, including most of us here tonight, came to call upon Christ as Lord 
was saved because someone who doesn't fit the myth or the persona, let's say, of a preacher or a pastor that's the only one that wins lost souls was the one that saved some very maybe unsuspecting person in the body of Christ who was just doing their part, carrying the mission in their heart on fire to share the word of God and to invite someone to hear that. That's how most people come to know the Lord, right? I mean, if that's the case, what is any man's excuse for not following forth with mission? What is any one of our, anybody's excuse to not go out and say, I have a responsibility as a child of God to play a role in winning lost people? I mean, what do you think? You think you're going to get to heaven and you're going to say, oh, God, I was just a construction worker. You know, I don't, I didn't have any part in that, that side of things. Or God, I was just a salesperson. God, I was just an accountant. That was my deal. I wasn't an evangelist, right? I wasn't the pastor. I was just an accountant in the church, maybe even, right? I mean, there's not going to be a justifiable reason for any of us to be able to say we didn't walk with the mission of the Great Commission. Isn't that true? There's no justifiable reason whatsoever. And I love hearing people's stories out there. This is one of the things I enjoy most, and is hearing people's stories about how they came to know Jesus. Because most of, we all remember that moment, don't we? I mean, for me, with great clarity. I would suppose for all of you the same. And I love hearing those stories because when I hear them, I think, school teacher, neighbor, Bible study, family friend, at the bus stop, at a teacher's meeting, a PTA, whatever. Somebody heard about it. They got curious. They got interested. And it was only a matter of time, some case minutes, before they decided to give their life to Christ. That, tell, that, that empowers me. That encourages me that, you know what, I don't have it all figured out. I can tell you sure right now, I have not said the perfect thing, the right thing, exactly what needed to be said at any given moment where I was nervous to say something, but I did it anyway. I don't know that I ever said it exactly right. But God has always taken the words from my lips, and he's empowered and anointed them, and he's blessed them because I had a, a heart to, to, to carry forth that mission. And, some, and when the word goes forth, it does return void, right? So it went forth, and something of God was established there. I don't know what all those things are. Sometimes it's right then and there, and sometimes it's planting seeds that grow and eventually come to full growth. God brings the increase anyway, not us, right? So we could do a lot of things with our lives. We could do a lot of things with our lives. A lot of vocations, a lot of occupations, a lot of hobbies, a lot of different things. And we're created that way. God gave us all different gifts, different abilities, different callings to do different things in our world. And that's a beautiful part of it. But each and every one of us have the ability to take what we're called to do, to take our gifts, to take our position and our aim in life and say, you know what, somehow that thing has to bend and has to curve and has to point in the direction of the great commission. Somehow what I'm called to do, God is going to use that, he can use that to win lost people in his kingdom. Right, Paul said, he said in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 22, he said, I've become all things to all men that I might by all means save some. See, I think about whatever it is that I'm doing, where I live, 
what I'm, where I work, the friends and family that I have, the relationships that I'm blessed and privileged to have a part of. How can I somehow be used by God to where these things that God has no doubt positioned me in anyway can somehow serve as a witness for who he is and to somehow reach people who don't know him. And if we really look at it that way, like Paul was saying, he's saying, look, I go to any length, man. I do whatever I had to do to save people. I bend, I curve, I become under the law, I'd be the law, I'd be weak, I'd be whatever it was, and I might win more. We got to be willing to do what a bend and, and do all those things and say, I'm, you know, I'm a teacher, I'm a businessman, I'm this and I'm that. But they all point in the direction of Jesus, of winning lost people, of somehow making his name famous and seeing the lost people one to the kingdom. I mean, listen, I'm convinced that if I wasn't in ministry, knowing God, walking with him, loving him, having the relationship I have with him, I'm convinced if I wasn't in ministry, for whatever reason he called me out of that, that I would still be passionate and on fire with helping people find Jesus. I just would, I just, I can't help it. I mean, it's just so good. I just got to figure out a way to somehow use what I'm doing and where I am to help people find and know him. I mean, Jesus was great at this, at announcing who he was, right, in word and in deed. He demonstrated it and he spoke about it. And he gave us a perfect pattern. Each and every one of us can do the exact same thing. We can point to Jesus with our words and we can point to Jesus with our lives. And we have to. Guys, we have to. Because if we aren't doing it, soldiers in the army of God, right, if we aren't doing it, I promise you that there is an army out there that's seeking to war against that. Aren't you? Isn't that true? In fact, in a, there's a, a story in Ezekiel uh, chapter 13 where he talks about those who are kind of under the influence of the evil one, how they go about trying to hunt souls like birds. Hunt souls like birds. There's soul hunters out there aiming to do the opposite of what God's mission is. Are you with me? Who will offer an opposition? Who will offer an opposition if not us? If not those who are empowered by the Holy Spirit, the all-powerful God that every knee bows to, that greater is he in us than anything and everything out there. Any soul hunter out there hunting like birds, he is in us is greater than any of them. If we don't offer the opposition, then who will? Then how many potentially won't come to call on Christ as Lord, I, we have to think this way. We have to walk with mission like this, right? Yes. See, did you know that there will be a sense of accountability for us for how we shared the word of God with others? Back in Ezekiel in chapter 3, he talks about if, if, if the prophet shares the word and they, they don't hear it, then basically their soul is, is doomed. But if the prophet doesn't choose to, to share the word and they go on to be doomed, then there's an account for him for that. I, I mean, I don't read anywhere afterwards where that changed, you know, where we got exempt from that. 
And that doesn't mean that each and every one of us can save every human being on the face of the planet. We're not called to do that. We're called to do our part. And if we'll do our part, God in his sovereignty and his wisdom has a plan for all mankind to come to know him. But he needs us to walk with mission, to be soldiers. Listen to this. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 8, it says, Now he who plants and he who waters are one, but each one will receive his own reward according to his own labor. We will be crowned. We will be rewarded for the things that we do in this life to make Jesus known to those who are perishing. In Daniel chapter 12, verse 3, this is a prophecy in the end times. It says, those who are wise will shine like the brightness of the firmament. And those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and over. We're going to shine like stars for helping. Isn't that awesome? For helping people know Christ. That's unbelievable to me. And in eternity, I promise you, it's going to be even more unbelievable. We're going to really wish we would have done as much as we possibly could to reach as many as we could have within our scope of influence. See, we're all involved in people's lives in different degrees or layers, levels, if you will. Some people, you're, 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 you're with them for a time, a short period, a little distance, and that's it. And other people, you kind of get more involved in more aspects and more layers of their life. There's more depths and more closeness. And our ability to reach people is different in different relationships and different situations. We just got to do what we can do and trust that God will do what only he can do. Are you with me? Proverbs chapter 11, verse 30 says, The fruit of righteous, the righteous is a tree of life, and he who wins souls is wise. I mean, that, that pretty well sums it up right there, right? He who wins souls is wise. We know the Bible implores us to seek wisdom. See, we are, I'm convinced of this, we are, we are not naturally inclined to necessarily do this. It's not, our, it's not part of our flesh, of our, our physical part of us, to just share Jesus, right? It's something we're anointed to do. It's something we're supernaturally infused and empowered to be able to do. You remember the story in Luke chapter 5, another fishing story, right? Fishing is, kind of relates to soul winning. Jesus used that as a metaphor. And in Luke chapter 5, is the story of whenever the, the, the disciples are out fishing all night. They don't catch anything. Their efforts are futile. They come back empty-handed. It says that they, they had nothing. They were, they were down and out, right? They were kind of saddened. And Jesus comes along, and he tells them to do what? He says, get back in the boat. Go on out. Throw the net on that side. And Peter says, ah, you know, whatever, God. You know, we were just out all night. We're going to do it anyway. They go out. They throw out the net. What happens? They bring in so much fish that the nets are starting to break and the boat is starting to sink. See, listen. When they tried to do something on their own, nothing happened. Right? Nothing happened. They came up empty-handed and frustrated. But when Jesus got involved, when Jesus stepped into the game, 
all of a sudden they had more than they knew what to do with. The nets were breaking and the boat was sinking. And they were just, I'm sure they were all over the place at that time. Because the hand of God got involved. You know, you and I, we're anointed to share God's word. You're anointed and I'm anointed to do different things, but we're all anointed to share God's word when we do it in faith. And when we try to do something on our own, nothing happens. But when the Holy Spirit gets involved and he anoints our words and our lips and our mouth and our deeds, then all of a sudden, we can't even begin to, we don't have enough room in the boat, in the nets. You and I can see things we can't even imagine or never thought we could see when the Holy Spirit is involved with us, right? We don't save anyone. Jesus does the saving. Holy Spirit does the saving. It's supernatural. It's of God. It's not of you anyway. I don't know about you. This is kind of liberating for me. Right, because I know Matt Heck messes it up. Matt Heck trips on his words. Matt Heck gets nervous, doesn't want to make somebody upset. But the Holy Spirit places the exact words delicately, precisely, surgically on the hearts of any willing listener. Oh, hallelujah. I love that. I love that. Let me ask you this as we kind of close tonight. When you know people and you think of people in your life that God has privileged you to share life with, to walk with, does your heart burn with the question, do they know Jesus? Does your heart burn with the question? Because see, I can't get it out of my head. I can't get it out of my head. I can't get it out of my heart. I don't want to step too soon and I don't want to miss a moment. And I mess things up, and I wish I could tell you I get this right all the time, but I don't. But I will tell you this, that wrestling within me and my spirit to do it and mess it up and do it and just keep going somehow brings me closer and closer to getting it right, and more are saved. More are one because I'm willing to try, because I'm carrying the burden in my heart for that. I burn with that question. My friends, my family, people I meet, small, short encounters even. Do they know Jesus? Because really it's the most important question, isn't it? It's the most important question. Most certainly, eternally speaking.